Good morning. I'll be reading from Matthew 5:13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of teachers, of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Chris. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn there or you app on your phone, we'll, we'll be making a good bit of Matthew 5 and, and also of Isaiah 58. If you wanted to turn there, we'll make a, a reference or two there. You know, did you hear the buzz as we were singing that first song? Not a buzz in the sound system, but it was really fun to hear you all talking. I mean that seriously. I mean, you know, you haven't seen somebody, you haven't seen someone, and you you come in and and it's okay to have a little bit of a buzz while we're singing that. We can kind of get to know and say hello and shake a hand and hug a neck, and so that's really fun to hear. You know, Jesus may have had Isaiah on his mind when he gave the words that Chris read. I mean, after all, Isaiah was one of the most prominent uh, books that was explored and studied in and around Jesus' day. It's one of the most quoted books that Jesus refers to whenever he quotes the Scriptures. Maybe that's one thing that prompted Philip Yancey to write the Bible Jesus read more than 20 years ago. I'm hoping today that we hear the echoes of Isaiah 58 in the words of Matthew 5. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we need a break, don't we? You reserved a seventh day for us to rest, knowing we would attempt to be more than human by filling every day from dawn till dusk, even before and after. You were and you are right. An occasional timeout seems appropriate. We hear the words of the prophet. You take Israel to task for her regular practice of fasting. Listen, we thought that was a good thing. Fasting, that is. Doctors today recommend it as a habit. It's good for us, they say. Remind your people that the words you gave the prophet call us to be your presence. What Jesus meant by salt and light in our lived history Caring for the hungry, thirsty, meek, poor, and more has always been the intended vocation of your people then and now. Our issue is that 
We are good at it sometimes. And other times, not so much. So give us the good news today that when we are intermittent, Jesus is not. And that is good news for us all. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and all God's people say. Listen, one of the best accessories to ever come to automobiles, intermittent wipers. Well, tell me it's not true. I mean, if you've never driven a car without intermittent wipers, be thankful that you did not have to walk uphill in the snow to school every day. I mean, nothing grates the nerves more than the sound of windshield wipers running across a dry windshield because it's not raining hard enough. Listen, we probably risk causing accidents trying to set that little intermittent dial just right so that we can be relieved of hearing that rubber rub across that dry windshield. I mean, resetting that windshield to clear where we can see out of it is essential. I'm thinking about taking this to a TED Talk. Think anyone would listen to me going on and on about the value of intermittent windshield wipers? Probably not. I mean, intermittent windshield wipers are way better than a cool sound system. Say it isn't so. It's true. Intermittent. You know, we from time to time have had intermittent trouble with this headset. You remember those times? Sometimes it, the, the, the tiny wires in these wireless headsets, they, they break down, and so they don't make good contact, and so the power that's supposed to go across them that produces the sound kind of sometimes is, is in and out, intermittent, and sometimes you can hear the voice and not. You should see us from time to time try to figure that out. Other times, it just gets scratchy, and it sounds like someone is running their fingers down a chalkboard. And everyone says, oh, turn it off. Sometimes that intermittent power causes a, a bit of a, a problem. And we're not sure exactly what to do. I thought about this word intermittent. When I, I've seen a, 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 an author on television uh, talking about health and saying that intermittent fasting is good for us. Imagine telling a bunch of Baptists to fast. Never would imagine it. According to the wiki, intermittent fasting first appeared in 1915. It was believed to maybe have some health benefits. And then what do you do if you think it might have health benefits? You just get a bunch of mice together. In the 1940s, they studied mice, and, and they watched and observed, and they applied intermittent fasting to mice. And you know what they discovered? Mice may live a little bit longer. Who has that idea? Who wants mice to live longer? Intermittent fasting in the 40s. I, I would hope they stopped the practice. Stalled it out once they discovered that mice could live longer if they ate, oh, maybe intermittently. 
The wiki went on to, to describe several types of intermittent fasts. You've got a, a time-restricted fast, you know, a certain time of the day. You, you've got alternate day fasts, maybe every other day or every second or third day. And then you've got periodic fasts. Maybe the, the doctor says that you need clean blood work, so you need to fast so that they can see what really is going on in your blood, so they can kind of help set you uh, in, in whatever need you have that's revealed in an analysis of your blood intermittent fasting I, I i really like the author who said you know there are some of us who that's just not really good for oh okay at least someone's willing to admit it and what they said was, what this doctor went on to say is, just consider that if you get eight hours of sleep, that's your intermittent fast. I mean, isn't that great? I mean, here you are. Now you know one of the pieties for Christians is to fast. And now you know that you're fasting more often than you realize. Just get eight hours of sleep and you've, you've fasted. I mean, I think, I think it's a great thing to, to, to do. I mean, I... I I don't, I don't care to fast a whole lot myself, but, you know, if you're inclined, just do it while you're sleeping, and it'll all be well for you and me. Fast, intermittent. Why this word? I mean, why intermittent? Well, well, part of the reason to think about intermittent is just to look at the history of Israel. I mean, if you wanted to apply a word or a description to Israel's history in their relationship with God and what they were doing and what they weren't doing, we would just say it's been on again, off again. That's intermittent. It's infrequent. It's inconsistent. It varies. I mean, take Isaiah, for instance. You spend 15 whole chapters, beginning in chapter 40, all the way to about chapter 55, and, and the tone shifts from the very first, oh, two-thirds of the book, from the first 39 chapters, where all the, the, the people are hearing from the prophet is, is, listen, you have failed to live up to your role as priest to the world. I gave you an assignment you didn't get it. Your role was to represent me in real time and real space by caring for the needs of those who could not take care of their own needs for whatever reason. In fact, by the way, if we would stop trying to figure out why people can't get their needs met, we would be more biblical. Because God never ever says the reason these people aren't getting their needs met is because of. What God says is, it's your role to represent me to take care of the needs that aren't being met. When we start trying to figure out why people's needs aren't met, we're just trying to get out from under what God has given us to do. It's just a ruse. It's just to make us feel good because we don't want to do it. Israel was just the same. God had given Israel an assignment, and they didn't get it. And when things got rough, they started going, well, what is it we need to do? What should we do? Then chapter 40, the tone shifts in Isaiah, and the prophet starts talking about a, 
a, a light has dawned and, and things are going to change and their world's going to be put back together and, and they're no longer going to be in exile, in captivity. They're going to they're return and, and there's this great sense of hopefulness and, and they are just really ready for that new day. And all of us are like that. We want to start over. We want things to get better. We want something to happen that resets so if, if fasting is to reset our body, if intermittent fasting is supposed to help us along the way, a, a reset into what God has given us to do is, is okay. Israel found a reset in the promise that was contained in the prophet's words in that latter part of that section. And then, and then almost as if to take account of Israel's own history, the tone changes again. And what we get in the first part of the book, we find revisited in the last part of the book. From about the last 10 chapters, it's almost like, what happened? And, and maybe if we remember that prophetic words are foretelling words, that is, it's not future telling, it's telling here's what God says. And God has a long history with Israel so that Israel could hear what Isaiah said, whether it was 100 or 500 years before they received it, and 100 or 500 years after they received it, it still applies. Israel was good some days and not so much other days. On and off, inconsistent, variable. And didn't I just describe all of us? Didn't I, didn't I just describe that's our own experience? And the, the struggle that comes is, is when we start trying to figure out what is at work, our default is to return to habits and practices that we think will get us God's attention. Oh, what will get it? What will, what can we possibly do? We'll go to church. Surely if God sees me in church, my prayers are going to be answered more. I bet if I took a survey, you'd kind of go, yeah, I don't know about that so much. I'm here every week, and I haven't got the genie to break out of the lamp yet. Because that's how we view prayer. God, I'm here. I've shown up. Your turn. We look for ways. See, God, are you, are you paying attention? And Israel was no different than we are. And one of their pious habits, and I mean that not uh, derogatorily, one of their pieties, one of the pieties that we've heard about, that I grew up with, you may have grown up with, or you may have heard as you came into the church, is this idea of fasting. So Israel, when trouble comes, what do we do? Well, we fast, because if we fast, it's like going to church. God's going to pay attention. God, do you hear my stomach growling? You know I passed up lunch. Have you been paying attention, God? 
I mean, listen, if you read chapter 58 from the first verse until, oh, I don't, well, just read the whole chapter, you're getting this interplay. The prophet is reproducing what I'm giving you. The prophet is saying, listen, the people have gotten together and they've begun to fast. And their conclusion is, it's not working. God, haven't you seen? Haven't you heard? And God's response to the prophet is, is like, look, it isn't doing you any good. He's pretty strong with his words, by the way. You're not paying attention to the purpose for the fast. You're trying to get my attention. And the purpose of the fast is so that you'll pay attention because you're oppressing your workers. It's right there in the text. Why do we fast, but do you not see? Why humble ourselves, but you don't notice? See, I'm trying to get your attention, God, and you're not playing along. Look, the prophet says, for the Lord, you serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. You're trying to use a spiritual practice to get my attention, and you're not even paying attention to the things I've given you to do. You know, maybe that's why, maybe that's one thing that prompted the late Ron Sider to write his book that became a classic that was written more than 20 years ago, titled Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, I challenge you to pick that up. It was very convicting. When he chronicles through what would happen if the average Christian decided to take God up on his, we like to use suggestion in terms of tithe, we could make sure everyone had clean water and plenty to eat. Statistically, these are the realities determined by agencies who serve those who don't have clean water and those who don't have enough food. If, he said, if we just did what God gave us to do, there would be plenty to take care of those who have need. And yet our job has been to figure out why do they have a need? And then tell them to fix the reason they have a need. It seems a little bit self-defeating, if you ask me. At least for those who are given to bear witness that God is a God who takes care of all of us. Because you and I have to remember that we have needs we couldn't take care of. Amen? Or have we forgotten? Uh, we've forgotten it. We come to and arrived at the place that we don't need anything. We've got everything we need. Well, you wouldn't if God hadn't given it to you. Like, why don't you see us? We're fasting, after all, to get your attention, and you're not paying attention. So, in Israel's intermittent faithfulness, the world was without a witness to what God would do for everyone, not just a select group of people. So maybe Isaiah is ringing in Jesus' ears because the prophet is saying, look, 
here is what I'm asking. Here's what I have given you to do. You are, in Jesus' words, salt and light. I mean, you, we sung it. You sang it. Did you, did you sing it? Did, or did you, like, mumble it or, like, listen to everyone else sing it? You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. Did you sing it? I mean, that's what we sang together. And, and maybe sometimes we use the excuse that I'm not on pitch or I'm not on two. But listen, the lyrics matter. If we read Psalm 112 to start our service, it matters what the lyrics say. We don't choose songs just so we can fill the air with music. If you pay attention to the songs and the lyrics, they actually go with the text of Scripture this morning. I don't mean to sound like I'm scolding. I just think that we need to pay attention a little bit. We want God to pay attention. I think God's saying, are you paying attention? And Jesus, to the disciples, a motley crew, if you will, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. It's as though the prophet is telling Israel, you're who I have. Come on. You're who I have given to the world so they'd know something about me. I have given you for the world. And intermittent might actually be uh, stretching the truth a bit, huh? That they are intermittently responsive, maybe pushing the envelope just a shade if we go back and read all the history of what's going on in Israel's past. Well, let me, let me finish up here. I know you're waiting. It's sunny outside. Here, here's, here, here's what's important, really, honestly. The way that the sentence is given to us in Matthew 5, that you are the light of the world, is, is what's in called an emphatic position which simply means that if we could give uh, uh, a force of a voice to it, it would be you. You really are. We sometimes read that as a suggestion or an option. But Jesus is looking to the disciples. He has just outlined who the kingdom is for those who've been excluded by the religious powerful, and now he turns to his disciples and says, I'm giving you to them. I'm giving you to represent me to the world. You, you really are the light of the world. The accusation that the prophet gave to Israel was that they were practicing all their pieties so that they could benefit themselves. Listen, I am all for Bible study. But if your Bible study and my Bible study is not producing in us the life of Jesus, then we're not studying the Scriptures. I don't know what we're doing. Because Jesus himself said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have life, but they testify about me. You read the Scriptures, and what it's telling you, this is what the life of Jesus looks like. This is what living the life of Jesus looks like. You want to cipher the book of Revelation? Please stop. 
Because if we understood the context and the conditions, we wouldn't want any part of what's there. All we're doing is spending time avoiding what's been clear to us. What's been clear to us. I do know that there's a class that is studying Revelation, so I hope I'm not on anybody's toes. But I do have it on great confidence that what they're hearing is this very thing. That the life of Jesus results in the conditions created that warranted a book by a prisoner on Patmos. And the goal and the aim wasn't to cipher when it's all going to be over. It's to say who's with you through it. That's the purpose. So if you're looking to Revelation to see when you get to check out, you're looking for the wrong thing. Here's the good news. I know you've waited on it. You felt scolded all morning, I'm sure. Unless you join me with the reality that intermittent wipers are the thing. The, the good news. The good news is this. That in Jesus Christ, God fulfilled what Israel didn't and what we don't. You see, that's the good news. The good news is in the reality of God coming to us in Jesus is to say, listen, in Jesus, God is going to fulfill what he gave Israel to do and what he gives us to do. So that when we fail like Israel to do what God gave them to do and he gives us to do, there is one who has done already for us what we are to do. And the good news is, he knows that and just says, okay, let's clear the windshield, let's reset the body, let's do whatever is necessary, and let's remember, this is what God has given us to do. God says to Israel in chapter 58, is not this the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, undo the thongs of the yoke, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your home when you see the naked to cover them and not hide yourself from your own kin? Now, I know you don't want me to go extemporaneous on those last two lines. But what I do hope you hear the prophet saying is, in the way Hebrew poetry works, when you see the naked to cover them, those you see naked are your kin. Not hiding yourself from your own kin is the parallel line, which in Hebrew poetry means anytime we see someone naked, they're our family. And Israel was to see them as their family and let's get him some clothes. Do you catch the weight of what's said there? Israel had, like many of us, come to the place of an exclusivity that said, we'll take care of ours who are naked. The prophet gives no qualification. The prophet says, when you see the naked... That is, any naked, they're your family. Which means we can't just say, we'll take care of each other. 
the, each other that we take care of is how we practice taking care of those who we don't always think are our others. So when the prophet went on to say, when you fulfill what I've given you to do, here's what happens. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. Or, in Jesus' words, let your light shine before others, not so that you benefit from it, but so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. There is no intermittent in faithfulness. And when we are, we can take solace, comfort, and conviction that there is no intermittent with the Lord. There is no intermittent. Uh, Robert Jensen, a little book I'm reading, uh, the late Robert Jensen says that Israel's story... Israel's story is the story of Israel telling their own story and their own story, like we told with the children, is actually also telling God's story. Which means, fast forward, we can't tell our story without telling God's story. And here's the rub. If we think that the world is getting God's story from us and we're intermittent, then we've made ourselves the focus of God's story. But if we're more, the, more honest with those who are observing us in the world, is to tell them, listen, don't look at my light because some days I've got a short. Any light I've got is to point to that light. Too often in the day and culture and climate we live in, we're only worried about our lights. Only ours. Jesus says in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount that the purpose of our light is so that people will see the light of the world in Jesus. So what do we do? I mean, after all, that is why you come to church, right? So the preacher can tell you what to do. I know better. What I can say is this. What are we to do? When we discover that we've been intermittent in our faithfulness, when we've been a lot like more like Israel than we have been like Jesus, the good news is always the ongoing week in and week out, day in and day out reminder that in Jesus Christ, all of our sins have been forgiven. And we are his and he loves us. And if there is any greater motivation to put aside your intermittent wiper, your intermittent fasting, and your intermittent connections is just to revel in the reality that that is what God has said about you. And then he looks at you and me, all of us, like he does the disciples, and he says, Hey world, would you take a look at my motley crew? They're not always with the light on, but when they do, they're making sure you know it's me who's given them all they need.